This is Journey Church Podcast. Here at Journey, we believe in encountering God and embracing people. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Good morning, Journey. It's good to be here. And uh, man, I am so, so honored and just privileged to be able to share with you today. And, and it's just a really, a really cool treat to be able to, to share. Um, my name's Logan, Logan Johnson. And um, another reason why it's really special is that I was raised in this church um, from, from the very start. You know, I was in Church in the Hills, um, one of the churches before this, and I've been at Journey since the start. And so it's a really privileged and kind of a full circle moment to be speaking to you today. And, and I'm really excited. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited to share with you um, how this verse is, has impacted my life. And I'm speaking on Luke 9 today. And, and as I read this text, as I read... Um, you know, just, just going through this whole chapter, it, it has just shaped me and impacted me in such profound ways. And so I'm, I'm really looking forward to inviting you into that in some way and, and hoping to see um, how you might receive um, some of that and some of how it's shaped my life. And so um, to start, I'd just like to share a little bit about myself. Um, I am studying philosophy um, and religion at the U of C, and um, I've been working as the junior high pastor um, here at Journey Church alongside Gifty. And it's my greatest joy. I love, I love the youth, and I also work with um, University Campus Ministries, one of our uh, missions partners here um, on the campuses in the city, and, and love it. It's, it's one of the best places to be, and um, in studying philosophy, um, it's been one of, my, it's one, of, one of my greatest passions to just ask the big questions, to, to go through life and, and to think about um, all the many challenges and all the many problems and all the many ideas um, that are out there, and, and and I think, um, actually, I'm talking a lot about questions today and talking a lot about how um, the questions that we ask are actually really important. So um, philosophy has been this really rich experience of being able to wrestle with, with the hard ideas, being able to wrestle with, um, with the, the concepts that maybe challenge my faith or maybe um, are that some people would see as opposing my faith and, and be able to work through that and, and come out the other side stronger. Um, but to do with questions... Um, you know, I, I would like to ask you guys the question today um, of what would it look like to live a week with Jesus? And so I, this question has shaped my imagination about what it looks like to be a Christian. And it's really challenged the way I see um, even just my whole life with Jesus and, and my whole walk of faith. And, and I think when we actually look at this question, sometimes it's, it's a little challenging for us to actually maybe wrap our minds around what that could be. Um, because Jesus in many ways, is, you know, not in the flesh walking with us, but I believe that, you know, when Jesus said that it would be better for the Holy Spirit um, to come, that he actually meant it, and that um, we walk now with, with someone who is, is like Jesus in the Holy Spirit and, and is able to empower us to, to live a life um, just like the disciples lived. And so um, I would really like you to take a, take a moment to ponder that question. You know, what would it look like to live a week with Jesus? Now, what would it look like for you to, to walk out throughout your life as you were walking with Jesus, like the disciples walked? And, and I think these questions reveal our hearts in, in such powerful ways, and, and I think we can see that, that when we ask this question, um, you know, it, it brings us to a place, and, and I know it might not be as clean as WWJD, but, you know, WWILLTLAWWJ might fit on a bracelet, could get on there, potentially, um, and might catch on. We'll see. Um, but um, what would it look like to live a week with Jesus? I think it's such a powerful question um, for us to ask. And, and yes, in this, in this journey of philosophy at U of C, um, the power of questions has, has really been um, illuminated to me. And so 
as we ask questions, as we, you know, work through the big problems um, and, and the questions that were asked by God and the questions that we ask each other, I think we're able to come to a place of, of really realizing our hearts. And so our text today centers around a question that Jesus asks Peter. And so in Luke 9, uh, verse 18 to 20, it says, Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowd say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. And now this, in many ways, is, is a simple verse. Um, it's, it's, you know, Peter answering a question, but I think there is something so, so huge happening in this moment. And, and all of Luke 9, I really believe, centers around Peter's answer to this question. And, and I know for many of us here, we know the answer to this question. Or at least we give the same answer as Peter. We say, yes, Jesus, you are God's Messiah. You are the one who he sent to save us. You are the one who, who came to, to set us free that allows us to be redeemed back to God. And I know that for many of us, this is also really challenging to live out. That this is something that challenges every single area of our life. That if you actually answer this question, it should challenge every way that, that, you, that you walk, that you live, that you breathe. You know, I think this question, when we actually answer it this way, is, is, so, is so powerful to actually bringing us to a place of real transformation, of real transformation in our lives that we actually live a little differently because of the way we answer Jesus' question to us of who do you say I am. And so if this is your answer, if your answer is God's Messiah, which I know many of you would say that this is your answer, there are lots of areas, and in my life as well, where we don't live like this is true. And so I want to get at a few reasons of maybe why we don't live like this is true. And so I think the first reason that we don't live like Jesus is Messiah is that we don't actually grasp what it means for him to have saved us. That we live a life um, saying, yes, you've saved me, and, you know, I got my, like, get out of hell free card is sometimes what we, you know, talk about it like, and, and we have this... Um, this pass, right? And, and I don't think we actually fully grasp or fully understand that Jesus' saving power was something that we could never do, was something that we could never have done on ourselves. And, and when, we, when we go to God, we, we actually need Jesus in order to get back to him and, and need him to be able to, to be in full communion and presence with, with our Father. And so I think for a huge part of us living this way is actually being able to um, understand and grasp that when, when we say that Jesus is our Savior, we actually grasp fully what he has saved us from and what he has saved us to, that he has actually saved us to so many good things. The second reason why I think we don't live like this is true is that like comfort and our own selfish things just a little bit too much. Um, we live our life, and, and it makes sense, right? Your, your whole life is seen through your eyes, right? Your whole life is, is seen through the things that, that you experience, and, and obviously it feels like, yes, of course I should serve myself. Of course I should, should reach for the things that, that will benefit me because that is my experience. That is the, you know, I am the person who's living that experience, and so we look inwards and we say, I want um, something for myself, or, or I don't understand why I would live a life um, in a way that doesn't serve myself. 
And comfort is a big threat to that as well. That, you know, sometimes it's, yes, I would like to do things. I would like to go out and, and do positive actions, but it's actually hard to just even just get moving, just to start. And the third reason, and this is probably the one that everyone was like, oh, yes, obviously, was sin and shame. Um, but I also think, you know, that the shame part is, is a big one. You know, I think we get trapped in shame and we get trapped in the cycle of, of what it looks like when we are down. And, and it prevents us from being able to see that Jesus actually wants to call us to so much more, not just to not sinning. And so that is my question for you is, is where is Jesus not Lord um, in your life? And not just the negative things, right? Not just the things that you're doing wrong, but actually the things that he is calling you to. Where are the areas of your life that Jesus actually wants to call you to greater service, to greater devotion, to greater worship to him. And I think it's so important for us to ask these questions of, of where is he not Lord? Where is it going to be that he's actually going to call you into something greater as well as call you out of the things that you're living in? And so this whole chapter, um, this Luke 9 chapter, I really believe shows Peter on a path of living out the answer to his, to his response to this question. You know, that we see that at the beginning of Luke 9, he is empowered, along with the other disciples, to go out, to heal, and to proclaim the gospel to those around him. We see that he is given power and authority in the name of Jesus to, to do miracles, to work miracles, to see people healed. In the next section in that chapter, we see that Jesus asks his disciples, and he, and he says, you give them something to eat. He says, you be the hands that give the people to eat. That you be the hands that feed those around us. And, and even in another section in, in Luke 9 leading up to this part, it says that they go and retreat with him on a mountain. And so what does that look like for us to have every area of our life shaped by this answer? What does it look like for us to have every single aspect of our existence to be actually shaped by this question that Jesus is God's Messiah? Because I truly believe that if we answer it that way, it should shape every part of our life. And that it should shape every single moment of your workplace, every single moment of your home life, every single moment with your friends, and every single moment when you're alone, that actually it should, should rush into every single area. And, and I believe this so strongly, that our faiths are, are meant to be faiths that are lived in every single aspect and lived in every single moment. And that there is no part that is, that is apart from God, that actually in the good things and the hard things that, that Jesus is there with us. And so I, I remember uh, the time in my life where this became um, very real for me, where, where I couldn't deny that, that it needed to be everything. And, and I remember um, the summer after grade 10, I remember receiving a call in my life at camp um, to uh, full-time ministry. And I remember you know, sitting there wrestling with the Lord and saying, oh, is this me? Is this for me? Is this for me? And, and, and then someone coming up and confirming and saying, you know, I see you, I see you being in full-time ministry. And I remember in this moment, it was such a big yes in my heart. I remember in this moment, I was like, yes, like this is what I want. This is, I'm in it. I'm, I'm for it. I, I wrestled a little, bit, a little bit with it and, and then someone confirmed it. And, and so my heart was just so, so for it. And I was like, yes, I, I really want to live this way. And so, um, you know, why not start now? And so in my, in my high school, I started a, I started a small group. I found all the Christians I possibly could, um, in my high school I gathered them all together, and, and I started a group and uh, was leading Bible studies and eventually had um, 
times where we were inviting friends and, and remember preaching my first message and remember in the second semester of grade 11, you know, packing out this tiny little portable in my high school up to, you know, 70 people some days and, you know, whether they were there for the pizza or whether they were there for the message, um, who knows, um, but they had an opportunity to um, hear about the love of Jesus and and I remember this moment and it being something that just took over my whole life. And it was really in everything. You know, it was, it was something that I was so for. I was like, yes, Lord, I want it to be a part of everything. I want, you know, you to be entering every single part of my life. And so where is it right now that you are being sent? Where is it right now that you are being called to proclaim the gospel? Where is it right now that you are maybe being asked to, to be the hands that give them something to eat? to be the one that, you know, proclaims that God's kingdom is near, as Jesus tells us to do. And ask this question to yourself genuinely right now. Where is he calling you? What are the areas of your life that he wants to start grabbing hold of that are not given over to him right now? And once again, it's, it's more. It's more than just the things you are doing wrong. It's the things that he is calling you to that he always calls us into, into greater service, into greater love for those around us. And if this isn't a current reality, then, then what is your answer to the question that Jesus asks? Who do you say that Jesus is? Is he, is he Messiah? You know, does he challenge you out of your comfort? Does he challenge you out of the places where you want to remain and want to remain stuck? You know, is, is he more um, just a comforting thought that you have um, Jesus as this idea that, that protects you and that, that saves you and you can fall back on? You know, maybe he is um, just a moral teacher. Maybe he's not Lord in your life. Maybe he's just Savior. But the reality is, is that it didn't matter what the crowd said in that verse. It was what Peter said. And so, you know, maybe in your life you're surrounded by crowds of people who say, yes, Jesus is Messiah. Jesus is God's Messiah. Yes, he is the one who is over my life. But what do you say, right? He asked the crowds, what do they say? But it comes back to what do you say? What is your answer to that question of, of who do you say Jesus is? I know for me, Jesus is God's Messiah, I believe that full well. I believe that he is worth it. He, I believe that he is worth everything of my life to just surrender it, to lay it down. I know that he is the one who has saved me and that he is the one who also guides my life into fullness, into joy, that he, that he dictates my steps, that he says, this is where you should go. And, and, I, and I long to follow it. I long to, to be the one that, that says yes to the places that he leads. And I know that he is Messiah. I know that he is the one who saves, and I know that he is Lord, that he is Lord over my life. And I truly believe that it changes everything, so much so that the verse after, it says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. And this is a hard verse. <laughs> this is a hard verse. And I wrestle with this verse as well. What does it look like for us to bear our cross? What does our cross look like? What does our cross look like in our context where life can be really easy? What does it look like where everything around us tells us to, you know, pursue it for yourself? 
and I know that my heart cries out yes, um, but I live in the wrestle of my life serving myself while wanting to serve him. You know, that I live in the wrestle of, of trying to save myself, like this verse says, and, and my future and enjoy the fruits of, you know, setting my life up perfectly. You know, and even in ministry, you can do that, right? You can say, oh, yes, if I could take this path and I could go on this route and, and, and if I just get all of these things in place, then, you know, I can serve the Lord and still really, really just be super comfortable and be in the places where I want to be. And so I, I really believe that Jesus challenges us out of, this, out of this complacency and says that, yes, it's every part of your, of, of your life. And, and I know that the greatest temptation for me is the, is the pull of comfort um, over time and service with Jesus, that it is the pull of complacency, that it's the pull of just staying where I am. And, you know, selfishness um, over e- even serving my family and those around me and I was laughing with my parents yesterday because I was going to say this on the stage and had realized that maybe I wasn't serving my family very well. So once you say it on the stage, all right, pressure's on. (laughs) It gets a little real. And so I'll do the dishes. (laughs) To all the parents, I'm trying to get some some bonus points. Kids do the dishes. Um, But what does it look like for me to serve Jesus in every area of my life. I think the, the lordship of Jesus always calls us into service to others, that it, consider, that it considers others more important than ourselves. And you know, even in this beautiful story that I shared about high school, in this beautiful story that I said, you know, I was so on fire, I was there for it, I was going for it, you know, you know, I got distracted, and I, and I know that in those moments, I, I, was, I was led to, to look at how can I build my life? How can I build the, my future? How can I build the things that, that I'm hoping for? And, you know, the regular distractions of life, they get you, whether it's, you know, building your, building your future, you know, thinking about university, a girl comes along, who knows, you know, things like that happen, right? You can get distracted you can fall away, and it can be very easy. And I think, you know, many of us have a yes in saying that Jesus is God's Messiah. But what does it look like for us to live a life that invites him into every area? And I truly believe that inviting him to be your Savior should always be paired with inviting him to be your Lord. That I think actually God's saving power is through his lordship, is through his, his reign in our lives. And we sang that song, even Jesus over everything, that he reigns, that he reigns over our life. And that, and that man, when, when we say that he is there to save, when we say that he is there to, to rescue us, it is not just only for us, it is also that he is coming to save this whole world and that that is only done by, by when we say yes to your lordship, when we say yes to him being lord over our lives and actually being able to dictate every single one of our steps that we can be a part of his saving of this whole world. That it is not just a personal salvation that we get to enjoy and sit in and remain in, but that Jesus came to be the Messiah for this whole world. That he came to to save each one of us so that we might be able to be a part of God's saving for the rest of this world. And, and I truly believe that, that when we say, yes, Lord, you are my Savior, we are equally saying, yes, Lord, you are my Lord. 
you are my Lord. You are the one who is able to say, go. You are the one who's able to call me to places that I would find so uncomfortable, that you are the one who's able to call me to places that, that I know that I would never go on my own. And when we, when we say this, when we actually give this answer that, yes, Jesus is God's Messiah, we cannot only live in the salvation that he gives us, but that we actually also partner in his saving of this whole world, that, that he is here to redeem this world, that he is here to redeem every part of his creation back to the original creation, back to the ways that, that he created it to be. And, and so what ways are you partnering with the Lord in that in your life right now? And so if this answer should change everything, then what can we do to get there? You know, how do we get to that place where our lives are actually transformed? How do we get to that place where, where everything in, in our, the way we live our lives actually says, yes, Jesus, I am with you in your rule, in your reign over this world to try and bring it back to the fullness. And I truly believe that it's only through Jesus that we're going to get to that place that we partner with him in, in really special ways to be able to actually bring this world to a place of fullness. And, and yes, also fullness in our own life. That we, that we in, in letting him be Lord over our life, we are actually brought into fullness in greater ways. That we are called to love him and, and, and love others so much deeper when, we're, when we say that, yes, Jesus, you are my savior. We're also saying, come and lead my life. And, and, and there's a beautiful analogy that I heard one time of just this, this mountain guide. That, that, yes, he saves us, but also he says, you need to follow me as well. You need to walk with me in, in the steps that I'm taking or else, you know, you're going to be left behind. And so both he is your savior and he is your Lord. And so answer the question. I want us to start with answering the question. Where are you right now in answering Jesus' question? Who do you say that he is? Who do you say that he is? And what answer does your life give? Is your life giving the same answer as you say? I think we see Peter in, in this chapter, and, and, he, and he goes out, he proclaims the gospel. He heals the sick. He feeds those who are around him. And then we see this moment of Jesus saying, who do you say I am? And he says, you are God's Messiah. And then Jesus in the next section says, bear your cross. Lose your life for me so that you might save it. And then the next section after that, Jesus ascends the mountain with Peter, James, and John, and, and that's the moment of transfiguration. The moment of transfiguration is this beautiful picture of Jesus' godhood being fully revealed. And I think when we live this way, when we live a way that actually declares Jesus as God's Messiah, we see him revealed in his full divinity. We see Jesus revealed in, in his splendor, in his majesty, and we get to live in that goodness. And so, yes, we, we lay down our lives and we, and we take up this cross, but we also get to see Jesus and God revealed in all of its beauty and all of its splendor and all of its glory. And this is the greatest joy in life, to actually see him revealed and to see him come fully alive and, and, to, and to see him 
working in your life? And the second question I want is, is what does it practically look like? I really believe that does start with praise, that with gratitude, you know, for his salvation, for what he has done, and, and really just being with him, residing with him, that, that this is where it starts. That we are called, just like Peter, to go and to spend time with him, to give praise, to worship him. And what does that lead to? And I think it always calls us to a measure of attentiveness and obedience to the Lord. And, and I think one of the easiest ways that, that we don't live this way is that we just stop paying attention. We just choose to stop paying attention to what the Lord might be saying in our life. So I want to call us again to pay attention. And, and when he does speak, to, to obey, to walk out in obedience, to listen for his leading in every area of our life. Don't hold anything back. You know, and, and the wrestle of this in my own life is so real. I find myself, even in this message, right, saying, being so eager, like Peter, to say, yes, you are Messiah, but then not always ready for what that requires. But I would rather be Peter and say yes and, and, and fail than to not say it at all. I would rather be the one who says, Lord Jesus, call me out onto the waters and, and to fall into the waters than to be the one who stays in the boat and doesn't say anything at all. And so in this moment, I want to call Four. any of you to reaffirm Four. your answer. Four. That maybe you have, has, have said, yes, maybe it was before that, yes, Jesus is my Messiah, that Jesus is God's Messiah. He is the one who has been sent to save this world but maybe today it's, it's a moment to reaffirm that call. To say, yes, Jesus is my Messiah. To solidify that answer in your heart and in your life. To let it both be something that is deeply true for you in your personal life. To say, it doesn't matter what the crowd say, this is what I say. And then to allow it to transform your whole life. To allow it to change every way that you walk in, in every moment of every day. Or maybe it's the first time. Or maybe it's just a, a, a possibility in your mind to say yes. To say, Jesus, you are Messiah. Or maybe it's even to say, Jesus, are you Messiah? Maybe it's to say, Jesus, show me that you're Messiah. I want to believe. Or whatever it might look like for you today to just pray honestly to Jesus to say, Lord, what could it be right now? In this moment, what are you calling me to? And so, I want each of us to take this to heart, to really, really reflect on what is your answer? What is your answer? What does it look like for you to bury your cross in your day as you just walk through your life? It says, that it, it says to bear your cross daily. What does it look like for it to be a daily thing for you to bear your cross, for you to lay down your life so that others might be able to be invited into the fullness that Jesus has for this world? I'd actually just like to invite the prayer team. I didn't let them know, but I'd like to invite the prayer team even just to come up and, and to be here to, to pray for people if that is something that you are needing to pray for people if you're feeling challenged in, in a way to live a life that is 
more devoted and more in service to Jesus' lordship over your life. So if you would stand with me, I'm going to pray, and we're going to go into this Jesus over everything song. This beautiful song that says, Lord, you are over everything, that you are all that is, you're the only thing that's worth it. You're, you are my everything. You are the one that, that I want to live my life in service to. And, and so I want us to be able to take a moment, if this is true for you, to declare this and to understand what it might look like for this to actually change your life, for this actually to change the way that you go throughout every single moment. So Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have come to save and Lord, that it's not enough for us to just receive this personal salvation and go on our way, but Lord, that you are in the mission, that you are in the work of saving this whole world, that you are in the mission of redeeming this whole world back to yourself, back to your love, back to you, Father. That we might be able to see wholeness again, that we might be able to see your love revealed in, in the places of brokenness and in, in our own lives and in our world that we might be able to actually be agents and partners of your goodness and your, and your grace in this world, that we might be able to see Five, your mercy and then six, and then four, be so far-stretched, that we might be able to see your healing come to many people, that we might be able to see those who are without food fed, Lord. And so would we, Lord, allow you to, to be Lord over our lives that you might save us? and allow you to be Lord over our lives that we might be a part of your salvation for this whole world. And Lord, thank you that you are Messiah. Thank you, are, thank you that you are God over everything and that it is Jesus over everything. So Lord, I thank you for what you've done in my life. Lord, for your sacrifice on the cross, that it was enough. Lord, that you are sitting on the throne, but Lord, we are still in a time where there is so much brokenness. And so, Lord, would we live in a way that listens to your, to your ruling, to your reign, that, that will lead us into, into fullness. And thank you that you reign in a way that, that shows us what it means to lay our life down, that the way that you ruled was through your sacrifice. And so, Lord, would we in the same way, following your example and bearing our cross and loving the world around us and redeeming this world back to your perfect creation, back to wholeness, back to relationship with you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today on Journey Church Podcast. For more information about our ministry, visit myjourney.church.